0: We're going to continue on in our series in Hebrews tonight. Um, and God is saying some really big things to us. So I need you to have your ears open and be listening to what God might be telling you tonight. Because he's still in this, the middle of this kind of warning that he's giving us. I know last week was intense, right? And the author of Hebrews is pointing something out. Like we can't have hardened hearts when God is speaking to us. Because the more we ignore him, the more we push him off, the more it sears our hearts. And we, we stop to feel that. You start to get callous to it, get numb to God's callings. I remember sitting, my grandfather, um, I loved, loved my grandfather. Before he passed away, he was just one of my heroes. And uh, he like played the guitar and like cooked food. And he's the reason why I love to cook today and all this stuff. And I would go over and just hang out with my grandfather all the time. And he got really sick. He smoked a lot and he was not a follower of Jesus and just kind of like did his thing. Um, but I loved him. And I was over there. I remember he had lung cancer from smoking. And he's laying in his bed in his house, just kind of passing away from this disease that was killing him. And I sat on the edge of his bed. And I just kind of took his hand. And I just I just told him I love him. And I started to talk to him. And all I could think about doing was telling him how much he needed Jesus. There is this person that I love so much. And I'm watching him pass in front of me. And all I wanted him to know was that Jesus loved him, died for him, rose again. That if he placed his trust in Jesus, that he could be saved. But my grandfather had spent years and years and years knowing that, hearing that, and ignoring it. So as I sat on the edge of his bed, and he was just weak, he just looked up at me with tears in his eyes. And to this day, I can't tell you whether or not he actually accepted Jesus. I don't know that. He could have died not knowing Christ. Maybe in the moments in his bed, in his last moments, he talked to the Lord and trusted in him. I'm not sure what happened, but I'll tell you, Like it, I remember that last moment, just sitting there, just pleading with him, telling him, the thing you need more than anything else in this world is Jesus. And I do the same to you tonight. I'm kind of sitting on the edge of the bed tonight and just sharing from my heart and letting you know that what this says right here in Hebrews three, is that you need Jesus more than anything else in the entire world. And if you're being like my grandfather did, and you're constantly just ignoring it and pushing it off, or saying like like I don't really need this, I'm good, my life's okay, you're missing it. You're missing it. And the more you say no, the more you ignore, the more hardened your heart will become. So I'm going to read to you guys. Hebrews 3:13 to 19 you can follow along with me. It says this: But encourage one another daily as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We've come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. And he starts this thing off with this awesome, like, not, not, command, but encouragement. He says, encourage one another daily. You know who he's talking to? You, me, people that believe in Jesus Christ. You know what we should be doing? We should be encouraging each other every single day. It says that word encourage is the same word that the word Holy Spirit comes from. He's the encourager. It's that same task that God is doing through the Holy Spirit. We should take part in that same mission and look at each other. You know, the people in this room, most likely. If you look to your left and your right, you're probably sitting by some people and you might know even where they're at kind of in their walk with the Lord. Maybe you've had those conversations. You might know that there's some people here who are wrestling with Jesus, who are pushing them away, who are ignoring. You might know that for a fact. Maybe you are that person. And what he's saying here is encourage each other. Every day, if you know that there's someone struggling that's in your circle, In your life, are you walking up to them every day going, look, bro, you need Jesus. Why are you ignoring Jesus? The choices that you're making right now, the things that you're doing, the places that you're going, they're taking you further away from Christ, not closer. But I want to walk with you. I want to keep encouraging you, pointing you to the one that can actually change your life and transform you and make you whole. None of this stuff's going to do it. Are you taking that responsibility in your life among your friends and the people around you? Are you encouraging them daily? Are you encouraging other believers, right? Reminding them who their savior is, reminding them of the power of the Christ who saved them and loves them and sustains them every day. Are you guys using that as like the thread of your relationship or is it built on other things? You see, a lot of times we build our relationships and our friendships on sarcasm, right? On jokes, on negativity. Like, I don't want to be too emotional. So we're like mean to each other to like show our love. What a stupid thing. What if we actually built our friendships and our relationships on this? What if when you saw your friends, they were like, dude, I'm about to get like a dose of encouragement in Jesus because here comes so-and-so. And I know when they walk up to me, this is exactly what my soul's going to need, refreshment. They're going to remind me that Jesus loves me, and that's what I need this morning. That's what I need today. If you knew the house I just left, if you knew what my family was like this morning, if you knew the situation I just walked out of with my friends or out of that classroom, like you would know that right now, more than ever, I need a friend to walk up and encourage me in Jesus. What are your friendships based on? Would you be able to say, that's me? Like, that's what I do. I'm that person. And all I care about is just making sure people see Jesus. Because I know more than anything else, it's the most important thing in the world. There's nothing more important than that. Do you believe it? If you believe it, act on it. Do something about it. Build your friendships on this. Encourage each other every day in Jesus Christ. Lift them up. Remind them who loves them, who saved them. And then he says this. He says, as long as it's called today. He just used that a second in this passage we saw last week, that today means, like, right now, like, you're in the present. This is when it needs to be done. Don't wait till tomorrow. You don't know if you're going to have tomorrow. It's not promised to you. You should not be like, oh man, it's, it's beneath me to go up to a friend, like literally beg them. Actually, check this out. 2 Corinthians 5.20, Paul says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, right? We speak on behalf of Jesus. As though God were making his appeal through us. Listen to this next part. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. You know what the word implore means? Beg. On your hands and feet. Hands and your hands and knees, sorry. You get down and you literally humble yourself before a person and you say, it's not beneath me. I will literally beg you. You know what I was doing is I was sitting on the edge of my grandfather's bed. I was begging him to see the truth. I was begging him to see Jesus before he passed away. It's not beneath us to love people in our lives so much that we would literally beg them to see the truth. How far would you go for your friends, family, loved ones? Where do you draw the line? At what point are you like, I'm too cool to do that or I'm too scared to do that or that's not necessary. No, it's all necessary. Like we hold nothing back because Jesus is the most important thing. Remember this whole book is about Jesus is better than everything what would you do for the people in your life so they would know Jesus? And he says this next, he says, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness, right? Like that's the goal. Sin is literally working in our hearts and our lives. So every day when you get up and you just spend your day doing your thing and you don't spend time with Jesus, but you do your thing and get your life in check and like you're doing better at this and working on that and making sure your GPA is going up and your sport you play, like you're like refining your skills and you're like, oh man, I'm gonna have more friends today. Like all these things, right? We just load our lives up with things that we think are gonna make our life better. And at the end of the day, we go, oh wait, I didn't spend a second with Jesus today too busy making me better. I was too busy like flirting with that girl over there or that guy over there or doing like whatever the thing is on your list you were doing, right? What about Jesus? Because this says, as you go through these like stages of sin and these moments of sin, it's working on your heart. It's doing a thing in you. It's hardening your heart. It's deceitful. It's literally tricking us to say, like, this is fancy. This is really attractive. This is really shiny. Like, this thing's good. So chase it. And as you chase it, you know what happens? You forget about Jesus. And your heart gets attracted to this more. And your heart becomes hardened to his voice when he calls out over your shoulder. And he's like, hey, Rob, come back. What are you doing over there? Like, you know that's wrong, but you stop feeling like it's wrong because you've done it so much, right? The more you get on that computer and look at things you shouldn't look at, the more you start to do that and it rolls on in your life, the less you feel guilty about it, the more it becomes commonplace. The more you use that language and talk that way with friends, the more it becomes commonplace and it's just normal. The more you gossip behind people's backs, you stop feeling like embarrassed about that or bad about it. The more you cheat, the more it's okay. Like all of these things, these sins that are wrong and you know they're wrong. The more you do them, the more you get comfortable with them. And the more your heart gets hardened because they're deceitful. They're calling you in. They're saying, no, come this way. This is good over here. That's why we need each other. That's why we need to step into each other's lives and encourage each other back to the path of Jesus and say, I know you're messed up right now in this thing, but it's just a thing. Jesus hasn't given up on you, neither have I. I love you, come back to Jesus. Step back out of that and get back on the path. Would you do that for your friends? Would you do that for the people in your life that you should love? Verse 14 says, we have come to share in Christ. If indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end he's talking to people like, he's saying like, this is how you know you've received the salvation of Jesus. You're sharing in that salvation that he's earned for us. Here's how you know that, that you hold on. You stand firm in your conviction in Jesus. You don't just like pray some crazy prayer because you were emotional and you walk out and then you do the same things and you're never different and you never change. Like Jesus is in your heart. He's in your life. He's changing you because you've said, oh, wait, I'm done looking at you. I'm looking over here at Jesus. Now I can't see this stuff because I'm too focused on Jesus. And there will be moments where you glance back. And then Jesus calls you back. Your friend steps in and turns your head back and says, hey, listen, get your eyes back on the prize. What he's saying here is if, if you stand firm to the end, like you're, you know, you know that this thing was real in you, this faith that you followed is real. And he quotes, right? He uses this quote again. He says, today, if you hear his voice, right? He repeats it from the last passage. Do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Talking about the Jews, what they did, right? It says, warning, don't harden your heart. Don't keep walking back into sin. I love that he uses that, those two words, if indeed, you know what indeed means? It means like for real. If this thing in you is real, if this walk that you're saying you have with Jesus is actually real, something's going to change in you. But too many people are just like doing this like cultural, sure, yeah, like i follow Jesus, that's cool. But there's nothing different. What Jesus wants is people that would say, you're everything. That's the point of the book, right? He's better than everything. And you would say that with your heart and you'd believe it and you'd go, Jesus, I'm following you. You have all of it. You have all of it. Stop for a second. Clear your mind of all the distractions going on right now. Put your phone down if you got it out. Just, just think for a second. Is your faith for real? Is your faith for real? Maybe you're tired of playing the game where I ask you, hey, you believe in Jesus. You're like, yep. But you don't. Maybe you're ready to say like, listen, I want real faith. I want faith that works miracles. I want faith that changes my life. I want faith that transforms. I want faith that makes me say, Jesus, wherever you call, I'm there. That's for real faith. It's not some cultural or religious faith, but real faith that says, Jesus, you're everything. When will you surrender literally everything to Jesus at his feet and trust him? You see, emotions, emotions change. So if your salvation you think is based on just your emotions, how you feel about Jesus today, like I'm super excited. And the next day you're like, I'm just not that excited. Like your faith isn't based on your emotions. They change. Fear, like if you're just scared of going to hell, like that, that, that subsides, it goes away. But Surrender. Surrender keeps a believer at the feet of Jesus from the beginning to the end because you've said, I'm I'm yours. Have you surrendered? More than just fear, more than just some emotional high, but literally, Jesus, you can have it all if you hold it firmly to the end you see like there were people and you might know people that you've seen that have confessed Jesus and then later they're like i don't even believe anymore and you'd be like what happened did they lose their salvation like like what is this thing happening in their heart 1 John 2:19 says this listen they went out from us they walked away from the faith right they went out from us but they did not really belong to us for if they had belonged to us they would have remained With us. But their going showed that none of them belonged. Is it real or not? You see, if it's real, it lasts. It doesn't just change based on your emotions. Surrender keeps you at the feet of Jesus. If it's some emotional high, or just based on fear, it's not for real. Surrender keeps you with your eyes focused on the prize, who's Jesus Christ? Have you surrendered? Have you taken your heart and say, Jesus, it's all yours. And so he says this, he says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. And what he's reminding us is this, like God's calling you today. (laughs) Do you realize Jesus right now, as you sit here and hear me speak, God's calling you. What do you think he's saying in this, in this scripture we're reading? The voice of God is literally saying, I'm right here. I love you. What are you waiting on? Why are you turning your heart somewhere else? I'm going to transform you. So right now, as you hear these words, you have to make a choice. You're either going to say, Jesus, I surrender it all because I know you're calling and I love you and I want to follow you. Or you're going to say, once again, I'm going to ignore you. Once again, I'm going to turn away. It's more comfortable over here. It's too scary to say yes. So tonight, once again, I harden my heart and I walk away. This author encourages you don't. If you hear the voice of the Lord calling you tonight to believe, to trust Him, respond. Respond by saying, Jesus, you're everything, I'm yours. And then verses 16 through 18, he, he asks these questions, right? Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those who Moses led out of Egypt? He's talking again through the story of the, of the Israelites, how they got out of Egypt and saw these incredible miracles of God. And then all of a sudden they get into the desert and they're just being like punks to God. Like, like they stop believing. They stop trusting him. They start questioning him. And he's like, why would you do that? All the things that God has already shown you, the power of God, it was right in front of your eyes. You were looking here. So why would you ever stop and start walking back this way? Believer, if you're, if you're here in the room tonight, and you're like, man, there was a time where I was walking with Jesus. I know it and I believe it in my heart. But right now, tonight, Rob, I find myself sitting in this room and I'm like, man, I just don't know what my relationship even looks like tonight with Jesus. I have gotten off the path. I want to tell you tonight, it's not too late to get back on the path. Tonight, God would say to you, I love you. Come on back. Give me your heart back. Turn your eyes back to Jesus. Then he says at the end here, he says, so we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Ignoring God is what will condemn you to hell. Like we said last week, it's not sin that's sending you to hell. It's not trusting in Jesus that will send a person to hell. The worst thing you could do in the world is just ignore your savior. There was a lady I met, I was in a village in Guatemala walking through these like villages, their houses were made of mud and like they just pushed stuff like these big metal sheets up against each other, trying to make some sort of like refuge to get out of the rain. That was their house. And the whole village was this way. As I'm walking through talking to people, I was just out there just with some people trying to share Jesus, just tell them, Hey, there's hope like life stinks for you right now. It's obvious, but listen, Like, there's hope, and we wanted to tell them about Jesus. And I got to this one house, and this lady came right to the door. She had seen us because her house was like up on a little hill, and she was watching what we were doing, so she was ready. And as I walk up to her door and I knock, and she comes right to it, and she's like, No, I don't want any. She's like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to talk. And I was like, "Ah, That's not good enough. I'm still going to talk. So I start talking to her, and she starts responding. And I start getting into Jesus and she starts getting upset. And I say, listen, do you believe that the president of the United States is a real person? She's like, of course I do. She's like, you're an American. You're standing right here in front of me. Yeah, I get it. Like, I said, how do you know that? Like, have you met him? She said, no, no. Have you shook his hand? No, never done that. Have you seen him face to face? Like, you put your eyes on him. No, no, never did that. I kept asking these questions like, what actually has proven to you that he's real? (laughs) And you tell me you believe he's real, right? She had nothing. She had no evidence. She just accepted it. I said, that's faith. You just accepted that this guy is real out of faith, but you've never met him. You've never shook his hand. You have no real evidence that he's there, but you believe he's real. I was like, how's that any different from being able to say you've never literally seen God with your own eyes, but he's obviously here. You're walking on a world that exists because He created it. You're breathing through lungs that He made and put inside of you and made your heart beat. I said, There's so much evidence right in front of you, tangibly, that God is real and exists. How can you just go, Oh, no, He's, he's not there? And she stopped and she, she was starting to think for a minute, like, What? <laughs> I've been believing some things that like, I don't even know why I believe those things. And she's starting to like understand what faith is, right? You could see it rolling around in her head. And then she looks back at me. She's like, no, he's not real. And she just walks back in her house. I was like, all right. And my heart broke. My heart broke. I was like, did I not have good enough words? Did I not explain well enough? Like, did I do something wrong? And God just settled my heart and said, listen, This is up to me. God calls. And if you hear God's voice, he says, if you hear God's voice, if God is calling you and not Pastor Rob or your friend or your mom or dad, if God's voice is what you hear tonight and he's calling you, say yes. Because there's some warnings and I'm gonna read you a couple of warnings as I close tonight. In the Bible about rejecting him, Matthew seven, twenty two to twenty three says this. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Jude 1.5, he warns us, he says, Though you already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord at one time delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. Warning from Solomon in Proverbs 29.1 says, Whoever remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. And finally, in Hebrews chapter 12, a couple chapters ahead of where we are now, in verse 25, it says, see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we, if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? If you hear God's voice tonight, if he's calling you to give up the old life of sin, And say yes to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to be yours. Listen, if if that's his voice, say yes tonight. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I'm just getting straight into it. If there's anybody in the room tonight who would say, I hear the voice you're talking about. I believe tonight God is calling me to stop waiting, stop ignoring and say, yes, I want to follow Jesus tonight. I want to be saved. How do I do that? Would you just raise your hand up tonight and say, that's me. That's me. I want to know Jesus. Rob, would you pray for me? Just slip your hand up in the air and say, I'm not waiting anymore. I hear God's voice and I want to be saved. Just slip your hand up so I can pray for you tonight. see your hand in the back there anybody else tonight's the night I'm done waiting I'm done ignoring I'm done putting it off I'm listening to these warnings and I'm saying yes tonight is that you would you slip your hand up I want to know Jesus yeah I see your hand in the back there yes anybody else awesome listen if you just raise your hand do this do this for me if you are serious and you want to know Jesus right now where you're at in your heart, would you pray this? Would you say, God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you to forgive me tonight. Say, God, I surrender my heart to you tonight. I want to belong to you. All of me be my savior. I want to talk to some people in the room that you're walking with Jesus, but you have taken your eyes off of him and your heart's getting hard. And tonight, maybe I'm that friend on a stage going, Hey, listen, you need to walk back to Jesus. Maybe there's some sins you need to confess and you need to turn around and just go, I want my life to be about Christ again. Somehow I got off the path. Rob, would you pray for me tonight? If that's you, would you slip your hand up? Anybody else say that? Join us and say, Jesus, bring us back. Put our eyes back on you tonight. Yes. Yes. Praise God. Let me pray. You guys can put your hands down. I'm going to pray and we're going to continue to worship. Father, you saw the hands that went up tonight and you know even better. You know the hearts. You know our hearts. For those who said our eyes have come off you, but we want our eyes back on you, Father. Would you let us hear your voice plainly? Call us back in a way we can't deny. And we say, Jesus, we're yours. You saw the hands. Would you do that in their hearts? Light their hearts on fire for you. God, for those who raise their hand to be saved and prayed to you tonight, we thank you. God, we celebrate that we have new brothers and sisters in Jesus in this room tonight. Father, I pray you continue to walk them through faith, growing closer and closer to you. Surround them with people who love you that can be those friends that keep calling them back on the path. And we give you all the praise and glory tonight. Be honored as we worship you right now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.